Welcome to our class on Chassidus. We're going to be learning a beautiful Chassidic discourse of the Rebbe. The name of the Chassidic discourse is called the Hoya Kisavoy. The Rebbe said this Chassidic discourse in Shabbos Parsha Savoy, which that year is the 21st day of the month of Elul, in the year Tavshin Memhei, 37 years ago. So again, the Chassidic discourse is based on the opening verse where the Torah says, It's going to be when you enter into the land. Asher Hashem Aleichecha, that God your God, Noisim is giving to you, Nachlas an inheritance, the Yerishta, you'll inherit the land, the Yashafta Ba, and you will dwell in the land of Israel. So Rebbe says, it's known the questions of the different Chabad Rabbeim, the, the leaders of, of the previous generations, in many Hasidic discourses, <coughs> excuse me, and many of them are, are already printed. And the question is, why does the verse start off and say uh, that the, the land that Hashem is giving to you, means Hashem is giving to you as a gift, and then it says, the Yerushva, you're going to inherit it. If it, it is, It's starting off, it's a gift. So if it's a gift, what's the inheritance? And obviously, the Rebbe says, there's a big difference between a gift and an inheritance. Why? Because an inheritance goes down automatic. No one has to give it to you. It's automatic. If it belongs to your grandparents, it goes to your parents and to you. And um, and therefore, so if if you're part of the family, you get this inheritance automatically. There's no there's there's no there's no all of a sudden there's a negotiation. I'm giving. I'm not giving. It's automatic. However, when it comes to a gift, that has to do with the person giving the gift. And like we know, for example, it, um, it says, uh, whoever gives, gives with a good eye. It means there's a giver. He's giving, he can give with a bad eye and a good eye. He's saying he's giving with a good eye. And else, but the fact is, it's dependent on the giver. So again, the question is, since there's a major difference between a gift, a gift is dependent on the giver versus an inheritance is automatic. So why is the Torah used two different terminologies? And like we know, the 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 the, the halachic ruling um, that uh, th- th- which is clear that an inheritance is automatic, and on the other hand, a gift. If someone gives someone a gift, it's not automatic. It's going down to the next person. And so the question then is, why is it when it comes to the Jewish people entering to the land of Israel, like it says, "Kisavayalaharetz"? There's the two different components. There's the component of a gift and the component of a inheritance. Now. We know that the Torah is not a Torah of the past. The Torah is alive and well today. The expression is Torah is nitzchis. Torah is everlasting. What does it mean it's everlasting? That means Torah is also from the expression of Ahero, a lesson. Everything in the Torah is to teach us a lesson and to guide us how to live our lives. So it's not just a lesson of the past. There's a present lesson that we can learn something right now. In other words, therefore, so we have, if we have the two components of a gift, and an inheritance, the question is, what are the two lessons we can learn from it in a practical way? And especially, what are we talking about right now? It's coming, literally, we're entering into a land which is a huge shift. We, we were not in the land of Israel, we're entering into the land of Israel. So it's a huge moment in Jewish history. And not only that, coming into the land of Israel comes after we inherited, after we settled the land. And as we know that it took 14 years, seven years to conquer the land, and seven years to divide the land and, and settle in the land. So this is huge. And more specifically, the Torah is speaking about when you come into the land, what does the Torah say right afterwards? What's the mitzvah? The mitzvah is to bring the first fruits of the land. And we know bringing the first fruits of the land, in Hebrew it's called the mitzvah of Bikurim, is a very, very important mitzvah. 
And this is, and as you can tell, where Hashem makes it clear, when you come into the land, the first thing, remember the first fruits you have to bring to, you have to, bring to Hashem. And, <clears throat> and like it says clearly, um, in, in another place in, in, in the Torah, when you come into the land, so it says, says that for six years, you should, you should uh, <clears throat> pl- uh, um, plant in the land, and then you'll, then you go ahead and you'll, 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 you'll uh, pick all the, the crops that are growing from the land. In other words, so you see that the ultimate purpose of going into the land is so we should plant the land and right in the beginning when things start growing and through our effort of the six years what do you have to do you have to take the first fruit that you're just seeing like it's the first baby that's being born of your hard work of six years you have to take it and you have to bring it to the temple as a gift to Hashem and not only to bring it, but you know when you bring the first fruits, the Bikurim to the temple, you have to also the special readings that you write, that you say. Like for example, the Torah says clearly, you get, there's, a, there's a description where you say, I'm coming here to today to tell you, to thank you for all the gifts. So we're dealing with a huge gift which takes place right when you come into the land of Israel. And also the mitzvah that comes afterwards is referring to um, when you work the land and you and you have and you and you have um, you have all your produce. So bikurim is the beginning, the first part you give. But then once you have a full crop, so then you have to give tithing, and there's something which is called vidui ma'aser, the confession of the tithing. And when you finish up by saying hashkifa and mayim, we say Hashem, look from heaven. We're doing what we're supposed to. We're planting the land. We're giving away our tithing, and therefore go ahead and, and, and bless us. And, 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 and like it says clearly in the Torah, and Rashi says what happens is when you do your job, that means you plant and you work hard and then you give the first tithing to Hashem and, and then the, the first fruits to Hashem and then you give the tithing. So a voice comes out and says, and blesses the Jewish people and says, you brought, you brought the first fruits. You'll merit to bring the first fruits again next year. So we're dealing with a very, very important part of Jewish history, entering the land, giving the first fruits, giving the tithing, etc. In other words, so therefore, so we see how important this Torah portion is, because it talks about entering the land, but nevertheless, back to our first question, how come it says that the land that we're entering, that we're eventually going to work the land, and we're going to give the tithing, we're going to give the first fruits, why is it used that Hashem is giving us land, A, as a gift, and B as an inheritance. So, and obviously, if it says both, there must be a lesson, an everlasting lesson that applies to us even today in our spiritual work and our relationship with Hashem. So that is basically the question the Rebbe poses. So the Rebbe says that the, the kernel of the explanation is as follows. What is the whole idea of entering into the land of Israel? And it was on a spiritual level. In Hebrew, it's called Bavoido. What is our spiritual work of going to the land, going to the land of Israel? So I says, well, we'll understand that based on what it's known, that in the prophets, there's different names that referring to the land of Israel. One of the names of the land of Israel is called, the prophet says, Eretz land, Tzvi. And what does Tzvi mean? So, so the commentaries say, Tzvi comes from the expression of, 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 of desire. Or pleasure, like a deep pleasure. So you know, as we see that the land of Israel is called the land of deep pleasure, deep desire. And the same thing also, the Jewish people are also called Eretz Chafetz. 
And it's like the prophet says, you should be, to me, an Eretz Chayfet. You should be a land of desire. So you see there's a connection of pleasure with the land of Israel and the Jewish people. And especially, the Rebbe says, based on the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, on this verse, and the Rebbe says this teaching of the Baal Shem Tov was given over to us through the previous Rebbe, and it's written as follows. Now, Baal Shem Tov says something very powerful, that every single Jewish person is considered an Eretz Chafetz, a land with tremendous desire. What does that mean? Every single person has tremendous treasures. So the Baal Shem Tov's insight in Eretz Chafetz means that every single Jewish person has tremendous treasures, just like the land of Israel has tremendous treasures. And notice, therefore, what, so what does that mean? That when we go into the land of Israel, and referring to, again, our spiritual going into the land of Israel, and just like when we went into the land of Israel physically, there's two components, which we still have to explain what they are. One is the fact that we got as a gift, and one that we got as inherit, inheritance. So the same thing also in our spiritual work, in our relationship with Hashem, in our connection with Hashem, there's two components, the component of a gift and the component of inheritance, like the Rebbe is going to explain soon what, the, what that means. And therefore, in our work, our spiritual work with Hashem, so we have the two components, but also the Rebbe says, even before we do our work, in every single Jew inherently, we have two components to us. One is the gift part, and one is the inheritance part. And obviously the question is, what is that gift, and what is that inheritance? So now we're going to go into like a spiritual journey to try to understand these two components of the gift and the, 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 the inheritance in relation to, to serving Hashem. So Rebbe explains as follows. Because if we know that every single person is a, a blend between what? Between the soul and the body. On a shama, we all have a soul, we have a godly soul, and we all have a physical body. That's the two components to us, our physical body and our, and our godly soul. That's in general. More specific, Drebbe says, even the soul. So again, we have the body and we have the soul. But now we're focusing on the soul. The soul itself, which that's obviously the main part of who we are. Like the author writes clearly in Tanya, in chapter 32, that the soul is the main thing. And the body is, 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 is just, so to speak, like a case for the soul. And matter of fact, Dalsberg explains in Tanya that if we, if we were cognizant of the fact that the fact that the soul is the main thing, the body is secondary, what happens is that allows us to love other people because we're focused on spirituality and godliness on a higher level of consciousness versus a physical level of consciousness. So back to the point. So in the soul, which is two components, you have the body and the soul, but in the soul itself, there's two levels in the soul itself. What are the two levels? So you have the soul, the neshama, the way it comes into the body and is connected to the body. That's one level of the soul. And then there's something which is called in Hebrew the mazal of the neshama, the, 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 the mazal neshama, which is called in Kabbalah the soul of the soul, which is higher than coming into the body. So in other words, you have three parts so far. You have the body and the soul. And then within the soul, you have the soul that gets enclosed and connected to the body. And then you have the soul which is, is hovers over the body, higher than the body, and does not come into the body. Totally pure. Like he calls it the soul of the soul. Now, obviously if you have two levels of the soul, the soul that comes into the body, and the soul that's above the body does not come in, into the body, there has to be a third level, the Rebbe says, which connects the two. Because if you have a soul that's within the body, it's connected to the body. If a soul's not coming to my hand, the two, those two souls connect. So there must be a higher level which connects the two. 
Now, these three levels in the soul, which basically, again, three levels of the soul, the soul that's in the body, the soul that's above the body, and the, and the, and the higher level will connect the two, these three levels you also have on the level of godliness as well. In other words, you have the part of godliness that's enclosed within the world. In, in the expression of Kabbalah, it's called, and I'll say it in Hebrew and I'll translate it, or Memale Kalalman. You have the part of godliness which gets enclosed, which gets internalized in the world. That's one level of godliness. Then there's a part of godliness which is above being involved in the world. What's that called? Seviv Kalalman. It hovers over the world. And then there's a third level that connects the two. The, the part of God which is in the world, Mamali Kalaman, the part that Saviv hovers over, and then you have a part of Godliness which connects those two levels. Now, so again, just recap before we go further. So what the Rebbe is saying is, you have, the, you have the body and you have the soul. Then you have within the soul, you have three levels. The soul that's in the body, the soul that's above the body, and the soul, and then there's a part that connects the two. In godliness, you have the part of God that's in the world which is called Mimale Kalalman, the part which is above the world which is called Saviv of Kalalman, and the part of God which connects the two. Now, Jeremiah says, even though we know it says in the Talmud, just like God fills the world, the same thing also the soul fills the body, or there's another expression that says, just like the soul fills the body, so God fills the world. So, in other words, you, so technically, it's really all—it's all connected to the world. But Jervis is very simple. Like it's explained in Tanya, the author explains that the part of God that's within the world is two levels. There's the part of God that's in the world, which is mamale. It fills up the world. It's connected to the world. It's personalized within the world. But then there's the part of God. Yeah, it's connected to the world, but it's slavery. It hovers over the world. In other words, so just like, just like you have that in a godly level, where you have the part that's internalized in the world, the part that hovers over the world, so the same thing also with the neshama. You have the part which we call mimalation of the neshama, the part of the soul that in, it gets, gets involved with the body, and that, which, which is in the body. And then you have the side of the hovering part of the neshama, which is called mazel shema neshama. And like, for example, it says in the Torah clearly, that Hashem said in the beginning when he created the world, and when he created man, it says, Nasa Adam, let's make man, Bitsalmenu Kidmuseinu. So he uses a, a, a double expression. Bitsalmenu means more like a shadow, and Kidmuseinu like our image. In other words, so the soul is made Bitsalmenu Kidmuseinu. The soul is just like on high. So just like the godliness, you have the part of God that gets it's internalized within the world. And then you have the part that hovers over. So the same thing also, the soul is a part of the soul that gets involved in the body, it's connected to the body. And then you have the part of the soul which hovers over, the mazel shema neshama. Not only that, Rebbe says, this that the verse says, bitsalmenu kidmuseinu, which means <coughs> the shadow and the image, is referring to these two levels. In other words, just like on, on a spirit, on, on a godly level, you have the, the you have the, you have the, you have the image, and then you have, um, and you have the shadow, and you have the image. Which again, the shadow, the tzalmenu is referring to soivev, and the 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 um, the image is referring to mamali. So the same thing also in the soul, you have two levels of mamali and soivev, which is basically the 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 shadow and the image of the soul. Now, so those are the two levels. And from there, it comes down even further that you have, like we said in the beginning, you have the soul and then the body. And obviously a higher level you have the part that connects the two. So again, before we go further, so what the Rebbe is saying is like this. We have a body, physical body, and we have a soul. 
the soul, you have the part that's in the body, the part that's above it, and the part that connects it. You're saying also in the godliness. You have the godliness that's involved in the world, above the world, and the part that connects the two. <clears throat> so the goes and continues on to say as follows. We know that what happens in Rosh Hashanah? We're getting ready for Rosh Hashanah. What happens in Rosh Hashanah? That's the time when Hashem created the world. And that's the time Hashem became king over the world. So in Rosh Hashanah, Hashem recreates the world, and He continues to be a king over the world. So therefore, these three levels, if God, we just spoke about God, God was in the world and above the world and connects the two, is connected to Rosh Hashanah. What we're learning now is connected to Rosh Hashanah, the way Hashem is with, in, 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 involved in the world, Hashem hovers over the world, and a higher level which connects the two. And there was, this is also connected not only to Rosh Hashanah, which is coming up, but this parasha, Kisavoy. Why? Because the author writes in the Kut Torah, in reference to this parasha, where it says, Hayoyim Hazed, this day, is referring to the Rosh Hashanah. And, it says, and it, so it says as well as in the, in the Zohar. Now, what is the mitzvah of the day in Rosh Hashanah? What's, what's the mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah? We know the mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah is to blow the shofar. That's what we blow Rosh Hashanah, we blow the shofar. Now, <clears throat> it's brought down in the Talmud and says as follows. When, when, when we blow the shofar, so in Rosh Hashanah, so before we blow it, we say different verses. And the verses go into three categories. One category, is, it's called in Hebrew, and I'll translate Malchiot, the kingdom of God. The second category is called Zichronot, the remembrances. And the third category is called Shofrot, the shofar blowing the shofar. Now, the Rebbe says it's brought down in, 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 the, Chas, in the Hasidic uh, insights of the Alter Rebbe and the Kutatayra and many other Hasidic insights that these three components, Malchiyos, kingdom, Zechreinos, the remembrances, and Shoifreis, is connected to terminology we just used before. Memale Kalaman, the way God is involved with in the world. Soivev, Hashem hovers over. And then the higher level which connects the two. In other words, what's the connection between which one is which? Malchios, Zechreinus, and Shoifreis. So I was going to explain. Malchios, what does king mean? So kingdom, if you look at this chart of the spherot, it's connected to the sphere of Malchus, the lowest sphere of the sphere of Malchus. What does Malchus mean? That's the part where Hashem is involved in the world. He's king over the world. He's involved in the world. So, Malch, so Malchus is connected to, to the sphere of Malchus, which is, which is Mamali Kalam. Zechroinois is connected to Zah, which stands for Zer Amp in the small face, which is referring to the, um, the, the emotions, and that's more connected to the idea of Sayyid Kalam, what hovers over, Malchus, the way it gets involved. And Zah, in this regard, is the way it hovers over, Sayyid Kalam. Now, <clears throat> so even though Zah, which is Sayyid, it hovers over the world, but nevertheless, because it hovers over, it has a connection. It's a connection to the world. In other words, it hovers over the world. So you have again, Malchias is connected to, to the sphere of Malchus or Mamali. Zechreinus is connected to the seven to the six emotions, Zer Amp and the small face, which is more like Soive. It's above the world but connected to the world. And then you have Shoifreis. Shoifreis is connected to which sphere? The sphere of Bina, which is higher than Zah. Zah is the emotions, and Bina is higher than Zah. Which is higher than Mali and higher than Saviv also. And that's why, that's the connection with Shoifar. What's the connection with Shoifar? Because Shoifar comes from the word of Shufra, which is beautiful, tiny, pleasure. 
Now, what's what, what's what's the idea of pleasure? We know in the spheroids, what where's which sphere has the real deep pleasure and satisfaction? So, in the highest sphere, keser, you have two levels. The higher part is atik, and the lower part is arich. So, arich, the lower part is connected to rutzling to will. The higher one is atik, connected to tainug. So, shufra, the shoifer, is connected really to what tainug, which is basically atik, which is even higher than zon malchus. However, so even though Shoifer is connected to Atik, but where is that pleasure revealed? It's revealed in Bina, and Bina is the one that connects the two. So in other words, what they're saying is this, let's recap. Malchias, Achroinus, and Shoifers. Malchias is connected to Mamale in the sphere of Malchus. Zechroinus is connected to the sphere of, the six spheres, Zazer, Ampin, Stein, Chesed, Gastagor, Tvaris, Tetzchad, Yesoid, which is Soivev. And Shoifroiz is connected to Bina, which receives from Atik, Tainug, and, and, and Bina, which receives from Atik, c- c- connects the two, um, the, uh, connects the Zah, and Malchus connects to Soifib and Mamali. And, um, that's why Derb explains that, um, <coughs> Malchus' kingdom, that's the part that creates the world. Why? Because when it comes to creating the world, the world by default is a finite world. World's not infinite, God's infinite. Malchus is used to create what? A finite world. And like, and like, the Rebbe brings a powerful piece from the Talmud that says like this, that when Hashem created the world, He didn't just come in and superimpose His will to create the world. So when He created the world, everything that Hashem created, He asked permission from the thing that He's creating for what allows itself to receive the light to be created. And as he asked them, do you want to be created or not? In other words, so anything that was created was created with the will of the thing that was created. And it, and it agreed to it. So therefore, if it agreed to it, obviously it's, it's not accepting an infinite power. It's accepting a power that it can, can achieve. Yeah, it's more powerful than it had before, but it's still a finite level. So what the Rebbe is saying is that Mamale is connect, uh, 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 Malchus is connected to Mamale, which is basically a finite, finite component. And like there brings an, another powerful um, uh, a quote where it says, nivru," uh, and what does Rashi say? That everything was created with its taste and with its form. In other words, it's tremendous. It's tremendous finite. It, it wasn't that Hashem came in, boom, creating the world with infinite powers, and all of a sudden everything's everything's infinite. No, He created a world, a finite world. So in other words, you see that Malchus is connected to what finite. However, Zah, Zer, Ampim, the six Midois, is more connected to infinite. Like, for example, Saivim, it's too powerful to be internalized. It hovers over. And higher than that is what? The idea of Bina, which we see from Atik, which is even much higher than the, the, the idea of infinite. Now, so again, just to recap, so they're saying it's like this, there's three levels. Um, Memale, which is connected to Malchus, is finite. Soive, which is connected to Zah, the six Midas, which is infinite. And, um, and Bina, w- w- uh, um, uh, Bina, which is higher than them, is, is even higher than the infinite of, of Zah. And that's in the level of godliness. But the Rebbe says, just like it's on the level of godliness, same thing applies to the, to the Jewish people. We also have those three levels. We have the Memali part within us, which is finite. We have the soivi part, there's the, the soul that's in the body which is finite, the soul which is above the body which is infinite, and, the, and, and even higher than that, which is totally infinite, which connects both of them. Now, 
what, the, obviously this is heavy, heavy Kabbalah, whether it applies to God and applies to our soul, etc. But the fact is, now there is going to show you how it's practical in the way we serve Hashem. Because deep, you know, it's nice to learn Kabbalah. It's nice to learn this deep stuff. You know, finite, infinite, super infinite. And it's in godly level, on a soul level. What does that mean practically? How is that going to change our life? What can we use it to serve Hashem better? So now there's going to say these three levels, the way we can use it to serve Hashem. What, so what's the practicality? Whoever brings the verse that says in Psalms, Sur Meira, go away from evil, the Asay Toiv and do good, Bake Shalom and to search for peace, pursue peace. That's the three things God instructs us to do. Go away from evil, do good, and, and, and seek out peace. And Rebbe is going to explain it on a very practical level. What does Sur Meira mean? Sur Meira means stay away from something which you shouldn't be doing. That's the lowest level. You didn't do anything yet. All you're doing is not getting into trouble. Surmi Ra means don't get into trouble. Don't do something you shouldn't be doing. And like Dara brings from the previous Rebbe, when it comes to Surmi Ra, it doesn't make a difference how and what you're staying away from not getting into trouble. The main thing is don't get into trouble. Because the main thing, the main component, the main vision of Surmi Ra is don't get involved in darkness and stay in light. You didn't do anything, which is huge. It's huge. But again, the point of Surah means I'm not touching darkness. I'm staying in the light. Don't go where it's bad. Don't go where it's dark. Stay in the light. Surah in a certain sense, is like simple. It's hard, but it's simple. Stay away. Don't get involved in anything that's dark. Don't get involved in anything that's negative, etc. Now, when it comes to Surmeirah, and this is beautiful, when it comes to Surmeirah, don't, do, don't get into trouble. Don't do something you shouldn't be doing. Is there a difference between one person and the next? No. Everybody is staying away from something which you shouldn't be doing. Even someone that knows how to meditate and, and, and prays and studies and does many, many mitzvot, and a very, very godly person, it's still a finite thing. Just don't do what you shouldn't be doing. Everyone does it the same way. Everyone doesn't transgress the same way. No one doesn't transgress more or less than someone else. So it's considered that, it, it, you know, everyone's equal on it. You can't go off the charge with it. You just got to not get into trouble. So it's a finite avoidance. It's a finite work, which we're all equal in it. In other words, our job is what? Stay away from bad and stay away from darkness. And this is something everybody has to do. Because if you get involved in negativity and in darkness and in, and in anything which is inappropriate, you're already, you're already, you're already sold, sold your, your beautiful garments. Okay, now, so the first component is Surmeira. Surmeira means just don't do anything bad. Don't do anything you shouldn't be doing. Stay away from darkness. Everybody's equal and everyone has to do it. And it's a finite avoid. Everyone does it the same way. Okay, that's number one. What's the second component? Asaytoyv. Do good. Do good already is a whole different level. Because now already, it's not, you're not doing anything. And so you're right, you just do nothing and you're already scoring points. If you do nothing, you're scoring points. For example, Shabbos. You stay home, you don't do a thing, you already scored points. You didn't desecrate the Shabbat. When it comes to Asay Toy, staying home is not going to get you too far. You have to do something. Get up and do something. Now, when it talks about doing, so now already is a difference. How motivated you are, how spiritual you are, how much time you put into it, how much effort you put into it, how much you study, how much you pray, how many mitzvot you do. 
And whoever is, so to speak, on a higher level, it means he's doing more, he's connected more, he's going to do much more. And his work is going to be more complete. Because what does Asay type mean? Do more. Do good. No, is there a limit? There's no limit in doing good. Insur is a limit. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. And Asay Toyib, what's the limit? Another mitzvah, another mitzvah, another prayer, another study, another helping someone else. There's no limit. So you see, Asay Toyib is connected more to infinite. You can do, I mean, it's not the real infinite, but in theory, you can keep on doing more. You can do more than you're obligated to do. Which basically means you're doing more than your limit limits. Anyone in the world of Asay Toyib can do more. More than you're supposed to do, more than you think you can do, more than you're capable of. We can always push the, push the, push the, push it a little more. Now, generally speaking, if these two terminologies of Surmeira and Asitoyev go into the category of the negative precepts, the, um, the 365 negative precepts go into the category of Surmeira, and the 248 positive go into the terminology of Asitoyev. Now, so those are two levels. What's a higher level? So survey right again is connected to, to, to finite. Okay, I'm not doing. Asitoyev is technically infinite. What's a higher level? So a higher level is Bake Shalom, where you're pursuing peace. How do you pursue peace? How do you create real peace? By learning Torah. Why? Because Torah is above both of them. Torah actually connects the survey around the Asitoyev. Who knows why? Besides the fact that learning Torah it's one of the positive commandments to learn Torah. You have to learn Torah. There's also a negative precept not to waste your time. In Hebrew, it's called Bittal Torah, not to sit around the idol. So, first of all, Torah you see is connected to both the positive and the negative mitzvahs. That's number one. Also, there's a higher level in Torah, which is higher than the positive and the negative, which is called Baka Shalom. You're pursuing peace. And like the author explains in the Kutti Torah, we had the Pashbalak and the Chassidic Discord called Matoibu, that in this verse of Surmeira, which we said is finite, Asi Toibu, which is technically infinite, Bakishalom, which is Torah, which is much higher, is, 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 the author says clearly that in this verse of Surmeira, of Asi Toibu, Bakishalom, is connected to the three, three levels of mitz, the negative precepts, Surmeira, the positive precepts, Asi Toibu, and Toibu, which is above both of them, is connected to Bakishalom. And which is also connected, like we learned before, to Mamali Kalam is connected to the idea of what, of, of the negative precepts. Saiyu Kalam is connected to what? To the positive precepts. And then the level above it is connected to what? To the idea of learning Torah. Powerful insight. So again, so we learned, just to recap before we go forward, we learned again, there's three levels to the soul. Three levels to godliness. And now we see how they're connected practically, and they're connected to Rosh Hashanah, but now we see how it's connected practically to our relationship with Hashem by observing the negative precepts, not transgressing, doing the positive as much as we can, which is infinite, and then learning Torah. So based on this, Trevor's going to explain now why in this week's Torah portion, the Torah Hashem gave us a land as an inheritance and as a gift on a practical level. What does that mean? Because what did we learned before, when you receive an inheritance, it doesn't stop. It goes down from generation to next generation. In other words, what does that mean practically? What does, what does the Yerusha mean? There's no, it doesn't stop. There's no difference. Just like Surmira. Just like Surmira, there's no difference between one person and the next. The same thing, inheritance is no difference. It keeps on going. In other words, on one hand, it keeps on going, but the point is then it's, then it's really finite. 
because there's no more or less. It, it's just it, it's you're you're in the natural flow from one thing to the next, and 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 the natural flow of the negative precepts of the finite. That's something everyone has to do, and you don't need to bring in any powerful energy, because it comes in inheritance. It keeps on going. So you see that the Arusha and inheritance is connected where to the idea of the negative precepts, mimali and then it's finite. What does that mean practically? It means our spiritual work that we want to be connected to our sem, and we don't want to be connected to anything which is inappropriate. Up to the point where basically we want we want to be in the in the flow that the soul should be the main thing and the body should be just the body. We shouldn't be running after our physical pursuits. Now, to add to this, Rebbe says, generally speaking, our spiritual work in this world through doing mitzvahs, and when we do mitzvahs, anytime we do a mitzvah, whether it, it, what's, the, what's the purpose of doing a mitzvah? It's to transform the world, to elevate the world. In other words, what does it mean elevating the world? Because you know when Hashem created the world, so He created the world with a lot of light. It was too much for the world to handle. So what happened was there was a shattering in the vessels. It's called toyu. And when what happened with toyu? There's powerful lights just all over the world. What's our job in the world? To find those powerful holy lights and elevate elevate those lights. And other words, it's called elevating the sparks of oilam toyu. That's one of the reasons why you do the mitzvahs. To elevate the sparks that's in the physical world. Now, when a person does a mitzvah, and we're trying to basically elevate these sparks... So what we're doing is we're inheriting the lights of Toyu, which exists in the world, which we have as an inheritance. As we know, for example, Esav, Esau was in the level of Toyu, a lot, a lot of light. The vessel couldn't handle it. And he was actually the firstborn. But it was too much light. On the other hand, who, who inherited him? Yaakov, which was his brother, he inherited the holy sparks of Esau. He took the firstborn blessings from him. You can possibly say that um, there's a concept in inheritance that what happens with inheritance, you can look at, let's say person A has something, and it goes over to person B. So first it was like person A, and then it goes over to person B. But there's a deeper concept in inheritance. It's not that it goes from person A to person B. Person B becomes a representation of person A. It doesn't get transferred over. You become in the place of person A. Simple thinking is it was first A had it, now went to B. Deeper is B becomes a representation of A. So not only do you have the thing, but you're actually representing the person that had the thing. And like it's brought down, the Rebbe says in, in, in many different commentaries, it's not that there's, again, it's going over from one, and there's, there's two different people here. Or like it's a, you're a messenger, a receiver, etc. But literally, you, you're standing in the place of the person before. And that's why, when it comes to an inheritance, it's automatic. Why is it automatic? Because you're, it's not like it has to go to you. You're, you're filling the shoes of the person that had it before. And like, especially like it's explained in many places, that we say that Yaakov, Jacob, took the first right from, 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 from Esau. Right, so what does it mean he took the first right from Esau? Because, so, so one end you can look at Esau had the first right, and he gave it over to Esau. That's called an inheritance that goes from one person to the next. But the truth is, at a deeper level, the truth is, Yaakov didn't receive it from Esau. Yaakov was the firstborn. How was he the firstborn? Because the fact is that, the, the simple example is, when, 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 when the parents were intimate, so obviously 
Yaakov conceived first, then Esau. So Esau came out first. But in reality, who really did conceive first? Yaakov conceived first. So it wasn't like that Yaakov received it from Esau. Yaakov was the firstborn. Now, when so when it goes over automatic, what does that mean? That's called the Malakalalman. The natural flow goes from one to the other. So that's the first level. An inheritance. Inheritance means it goes automatic. Just like, for example, like you said, the, the, the negative precepts where we all equal in the same way. It's a finite connection. However, when there's a gift, a gift is much higher. Why is that? Because what's a gift? A gift, you're getting a, a tremendous gift that you didn't have before. It's a brand new revelation. In an inheritance, you, it's yours. A, whether you say you receive something which technically would have been yours, or you become in place of the first person, so really it's, there's nothing new that's happening here. By a gift, you didn't have it. And if the person that didn't give it, you wouldn't have had it. And when the person's giving you, he's giving you something wild that you didn't have before. And like the verse says clearly, God is giving you something new. Just like the idea of, us, of, the, of the positive commandments. You're doing another mitzvah, another mitzvah, and therefore, <clears throat> there is, it, it doesn't go automatic. If you don't keep on putting in the energy, you're not going to get. So by a Yerusha on one hand, it, it goes over automatic, but it's finite. By, ase, by a gift, it's like Asay Toiv, where on one hand, yes, it stops if you don't do anything, but on the other one, you keep on doing, you can go infinite. So those, even though by an inheritance, you're receiving much more than you would put the effort in. Like, for example, since you put in the effort, you're going to get a return. But, and you're going to get much more than you put in, 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 in much more than you put the effort, that's the return you're going to get. But the fact is, it's still finite. You're getting what's really yours. You're not creating anything new. However, when it comes to a gift, then you're getting something which is off the charge. You're getting an infinite gift, which is the level of soivev. So now you see beautifully what the Rebbe is explaining why it says in the Torah, two different levels, a gift and an inheritance. Why? Because an inheritance is automatic. It's finite. A gift is infinite. An inheritance is like the negative precepts. Everyone's equal. We're all doing the same thing. We're getting it all, we're staying away from, 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 God, from, from negativity. But when it comes to Asetayim, it's infinite. And that's the idea of a gift. So based on this, Trevor says, one second. We have to understand the verse. What did we just learn? What's higher? An inheritance or a gift? A, he- a gift is much higher. Because A, it's Sayvev, and it's infinite. So if that's the case, we know there's a rule that when, you, when, you, when, you, when the Torah describes things, and generally you go, things, you go from, from the easier to the harder. You go from smaller to bigger. So if that's the case, what's a smaller, what's a smaller gift? The inheritance, because it goes over automatic and it's finite. What's bigger? Oh, it's a matanite, a gift. I never had it. So if that's the case, why does the Torah say, first, the gift, Hashem is giving you an inheritance, and then an inheritance. It's seemingly the opposite, the opposite order. So he explains, and he says like this. We know it says in the... Uh, in the Talmud, and it's brought down in Tanya, that when someone's born, they make you an oath, and they tell you, to heat tzaddik, you should be a tzaddik. When a child's born, they make him make an oath, before you get, make, make an oath, you're going to be a tzaddik, you're going to be a righteous person. The child, in the mother's womb, before he's even born, what do you do? You make him swear, and not only you make him swear, you actually you empower him, they should be the highest level. Remember, you got to be that big tzaddik, the ultimate complete level of a tzaddik. 
And especially, we know that the Tzamech Tzedek explains, what does that mean when you, you make him swear he should be a Tzadik? So this, the expression of Mashbiyin, an oath, is the same letters for soivas, satiation. In other words, that we satiate the person. Um, not only you'll eat, not, you know, we say, it says in the, in the Grace of Meals, you'll eat, and, and, and you'll be satisfied. You can eat and not be satisfied. But the point is, they satisfy the person, that you'll be a tzaddik. In other words, what, what, are, we, what are we shooting for? We're shooting for that um, not only should you have the light, which is finite, but the goal is you should have the light which is infinite that's the goal so so if that's the case the Rebbe explains beautifully why the Torah begins and we use first the expression of a gift because what's the idea of a gift the idea of a gift is infinite so what happens is we charge you up right from the beginning and we tell you you're coming to land that God is giving you as a gift what is that referring to? Infinite. The positive commandments that you can keep on going and going and going and total, whole new levels. Saviv Kalalman. So we start off by empowering you can go for the best. And if you know that whoever gives, gives with a, gives with a good eye. Hashem wants us to be successful. And we want us to come to the highest level. Not only to the level of Yerusha and inheritance where it comes automatic, but it's finite. But the goal is Hashem wants us to have that powerful experience of the infinite. And that's why the verse says, when you come to the land, that Hashem is giving you, it means He's giving you the ability that we can reach Saiveh, we can reach infinite. And what's going to happen there is, for Yerishta, you can inherit and, you're going to, and dwell there. So the Rebbe explains beautifully, he says like this, Kisavoy. What does that mean? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story, right? When you're going to come, I'm telling you a story, but it's a promise. And was, but you're going to say, what's the name? Key, when? Key, the Rebbe says, which is like, a, so to speak, a condition. When you'll come, that's referring to what you, what, what, what the mitzvah which is coming right after in the next verse. The mitzvah of the first fruit. When you come to the land, remember, you gotta give the first fruit. But, but that's in terms of the fir, fir, first fruit. But the entry to the land, that's promised. In other words, every single person is given the power and in a way that it's a gift. On a scene, it's a gift. And we're satiated with that gift. That we can go into the land of Israel and complete, receive it completely, which means we can serve Hashem with the Asay Toiv infinite. And up, but not only do we receive it infinite, and it's a gift that's without limits, but it's also in a way of, that's an inheritance. What does that mean, it's inheritance? That so we're going to be able to dream, bring that infinite down into this world. Like the expression is Nachal Esau, where it flows down, you know, from, from, the stream flows down into this world. The goal is not just to fly high, the goal is to take that infinite and bring it back to the world. And then the verse says, the Yerishta, you're going to inheritance. What does that mean? Yes, we're going to take that infinite power and bring it down into the finite world. And we're going to dwell, we're going to dwell into the world. What does that mean practically? We're going to, it's going to come internalized. We're going to connect to it in a real, in a real practical, practical way. In other words, not only <clears throat> to the finite part, but even to the part which is infinite, we're going to bring down into this world. So this is beautiful. What they're ever saying is, just to recap, that the Torah is giving us two things. One is empowering us, we can reach the stars, we can reach Saibabe, we can reach infinite, we can continue doing on end. And the Torah empowers us. Hashem is giving it to you. But remember, you have to bring it down to the finite world as well, into a day-to-day simple chores that we're doing. And Rebbe finishes off and he says something beautiful and he says as follows. You could say possibly another insight. 
What does it mean via Yerushta? You're going to inherit the land. That's referring to the inheritance of the land of the seven nations that we already conquered. We already conquered seven nations. And therefore when Mashiach comes, it's going to be as an inheritance because we already have it. We already conquered the seven nations from the land of Israel. And the second part, Hashem Elokechad, God is giving you as an inheritance, is re- giving you as a gift. God is giving you as a gift, is referring to the three nations, Kani, Knizi, Kadmoini, that for that, we're going to need a special gift from Hashem. We know in order to conquer the rest, the rest of it, we're going to need a special gift from Hashem. But as the prophet says, Ki Hashem, Hashem is going to go ahead and, and make our, our borders much, much wider. And Rabbi finished off by saying as follows, it should be the will of Hashem, that very, very soon, this promise will be fulfilled. That we're going to, it's going to be that when it comes into the land of Israel, not in theory, not as a, not, not visiting the land of Israel, but literally we're going to come into the land of Israel. We're going to go into Eretz Yisrael. Both the seven nations that we already conquered and also the part that Hashem is going to expand the borders of the land of Kani, Knizi, and Kamoini. And Rebbe finishes off, it should happen with Meheira, Biyameinu, Mamash. Very, very soon in, in, in our days and literally in a physical, physical way. Here's again another beautiful, beautiful Hasidic discourse. It's a deep Hasidic discourse, a lot of Kabbalah in here, but also very, very practical how we can live a life of an infinite life by doing the positive commandments, but then bringing it into this world, and ultimately, as Rabbi finishes by saying, we'll all merit for Mashiach to come, and we'll have the expansion of the land of Israel, and we'll be able to have, God willing, our next class in Yerushalayim, Irak Have a great and blessed week. Shavua Tov.